This morning, I'm going to be sharing with you um, some principles in parenting that Fred and I kind of learned on the way. We don't always do things right, you know, um, but God, by His mercy and grace, showed us a better way. And, um, you know, by all means, we're not a perfect family. We're not perfect parents. We don't have perfect children. We make mistakes along the way, but God is gracious enough to show us um, through our journey as parents um, how to do things um, um, in the way that He intended us to, because He knows um, how we can bring true happiness in our home. And it's, I realize through the principles that He has shown us, um, just like in marriage, <coughs> In parenting as well, I believe that the foundation of a successful um, home, a successful marriage, successful parenting, um, is by complete and full surrender of self to God. Um, without that, um, these principles, the things you read in parenting books or here in parenting seminars, those are all helpful things, but it really doesn't come into fruition until we are completely surrendered. So let's remember that concept while we go through these principles that um, I'll be sharing with you, um, because that, that's the most, um, that should be the priority in our life, um, to work on surrender of self. Um, now this parenting um, seminar, I guess you can say, or um, meeting is not intended just for parents. Um, it could be applied to uh, children in the church if you're not um, parents. It could be applied to children in your family, nephews and nieces and things like that, children in the neighborhood, right? So we can apply these things to ourselves as well. Um, what about if you have children outside of the home, right, that are grown up and you feel like, I really messed up, you know? I mean, I really didn't do things God's way and now it's too late because they're not in the home. Well, we learned from, you know, Janet Page's messages about the power of prayer, you know, that God, is, no one soul is out of the reach of God, right? And God is a loving and merciful God and can redeem them um, to Himself if we bring their souls to Him, right? So, um, let's continue. Um, Let's begin, but before we do, um, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, this morning um, I desired to share uh, the principles that you have showed Fred and I, um, principles in parenting. Lord, we know that you have gifted to us these uh, precious children in our lives, and um, we we all long to raise them um, the right way, but sometimes we just don't know how. And Lord, in your grace and mercy, you have shown us how um, through um, your word, through um, inspired writings. And Lord, we, we're going to be studying that this morning. We ask for your blessing upon this. Um, be with my words and my thoughts. And may um, each person here be convicted of how they can be better parents and better leaders. Um, for children in their lives. And this I pray in your name. Amen. Okay. So the first, I think, um, principle in parenting that is, I think, the most important aside from surrendering ourselves to God is by leading by example, right? Um, as I shared before, um, because of pride in ourselves, um, Fred and I, and there was contention in our home, right? And um, we, because of that, we created an atmosphere in the home that was one of contention, and the children can sense that, right? Um, and so when we try to share Jesus with them, and we say, um, children, you need to love Jesus, and you need to follow Jesus, okay? You need to surrender your heart to Jesus, you know? Children are very good at detecting hypocrisy, right? They're very perceptive, um, and they can tell if you are following Jesus or not, right? And so do you think that it's going to help us any to tell them about Jesus and read stories about Jesus and share about Jesus' love to them if we aren't showing them Jesus' love to them in our lives? It's not going to be very effective. 
It says in <coughs> Adventist home, children must see in the lives of their parents that consistency which is in accordance with their faith. By leading a consistent life and exercising self-control, parents may mold the characters of their children. Let's keep this in mind that we want to be consistent with the faith that we profess to follow, right? Um, in order for our children to uh, see that as an example and therefore follow um, in step with that faith as well. And the next principle of parenting um, that we felt was important was to recognize your high calling, right? I didn't always realize this. Um, I thought that my calling was outside of the home, right? I thought, um, well, in the very beginning, you know, I wasn't even planning on staying home with the children. I was planning on working um, outside the home and just hire a nanny to take care of our children. And I um, didn't realize that I was called uh, to be a mother, not to, uh, not to uh, be the breadwinner of the home, right? But aside from that, um, I, even after I recognized that I needed to be at home, I was at home, but my mind was not because my mind was outside of the home in regards of I wanted to share Jesus with my neighbors, and I wanted to share Jesus with my community. I wanted to do good work in the church and do children's programs, and all of those things are wonderful, but sometimes the good things in our life can replace the best things in our life, right? I didn't realize my high, high calling, and this is what it says in the Ministry of Healing. It says, there is no more important field of effort than that committed to the founders and guardians of the home. No work entrusted to human beings involves greater or more far-reaching results than does the work of fathers and mothers. Um, mothers, I'm going to talk to you um, specifically. You know, sometimes, um, you know, if you're home with the children and you're doing your, your daily work and you feel like, what am I accomplishing at home, you know? I mean... I cook and feed the children, I clean the home, and even though I clean the home all day, at the end of the day, it's just the same as it was in the beginning, and you don't really see um, the product of your work, right? And at times it can get discouraging, and you can feel like, you can be tempted to say, you know, when people ask you, what do you do, you know? You're tempted to say, oh, I'm just a housewife, you know? But let me read this to you, okay? As a role of a mother, what does it say? This is found in Adventist home as well. Next to God, the mother's power for good is the strongest known on earth. The mother's influence is an unceasing influence. And if it is always on the side of right, her children's characters will testify to her moral earnestness and worth. Her smile, her encouragement may be an inspiring force. She may bring sunshine to the heart of her children by a word of love, a smile of approval. When her influence is for truth, for virtue, when she is guided by divine wisdom, what a power for Christ will be her life. Her influence will reach on through time into eternity. What a thought is this, that the mother's looks and words and actions bear fruit in eternity, and the salvation or ruin of many will be the result of her influence. What an influence we mothers have, right? But we tend to forget this high calling of ours, right? And our heart may be found elsewhere outside of the home, right? In my case, I wanted to help this person and that person, my neighbors, my church, my community, when in my very home are precious children that God has given to me to raise in the admonition of the Lord, right? And I was forgetting this fact. Let us not forget our high calling mothers, right? But fathers, you're not off the hook. <laughs> because fathers, it says here, all members of the family center in the father. 
he is the lawmaker, illustrating in his own manly bearing the sterner virtues, energy, integrity, honesty, patience, courage, diligence, and practical usefulness. The father is in one sense the priest of the household, laying upon the altar of God the morning and evening sacrifice. The wife and children should be encouraged to unite in this offering and also to engage in the song of praise. Morning and evening the father, as the priest of the household, should confess to God the sins committed by himself and his children through the day. In ancient Israel's time, the high priest had a very important job, right? He was the mediator between God and the people, right? He was instructed to bring before God their sins, right? And to burn a morning and evening sacrifice to demonstrate their daily consecration of their lives to him. It says here that the father now takes on this rule as the priest of their home, right? What an important job you fathers have in bringing the sins of your family before God, demonstrating to God that you are truly consecrated to Him uh, by your morning and evening sacrifices, which are shown through morning and evening worship times, right? Time with God and demonstrating to him that we truly are consecrating our family, our lives to him, right? Um, Fred, he, uh, he didn't always be um, the priest of our home, right? He struggled with this. He wanted me to share this with you guys, so. But he, he struggled with this for quite some time. Um, and I believe that a lot of fathers in their homes struggle with this concept, um, struggle with accepting their leadership role in the family and being that high priest um, on behalf of their family. Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure why that is, and uh, it may be because the effects of me media in our lives, um, showing the men as being lesser than the wife, as um, you know, being portrayed sometime as, you know, like dumbed down, you know? And um, maybe this is affecting our society today, you know? But, um, you know, God has um, shown us very clearly what is expected of fathers in their homes, and it's for a specific purpose, to consecrate the hearts of their families to God. Now, why is when it you are in a home where this is the case, it might not be the easiest situation, right? But we are called to respect our husbands and to be his helpmeet. And um, we should pray for him and encourage him. And going back to leading by example, be that example for him in, in your life that um, he may be able to see a higher calling in his life as well, right? Um, okay, the next principle here is um, separate yourselves from the world standards. I believe that in everything that God has planned for us, um, Satan has a counterfeit for that, right? So God has his standards for parents today and Satan has brought about his standards, um, the world standards, right, for parents today. You know, as mothers, right, we, we hear the terms of soccer mom or super mom or we hear super dad and things like that, right? But, you know, what kinds of things does that all encapsulate, right? Sometimes it might encapsulate, you know, all the wonderful things your children are involved in, you know, all the act activities they're put in and all the lessons they're put in. And let me tell you, this was a struggle for me because, you know, naturally in me, I have that tiger mom mentality, right? Because that's how I was raised and I was expecting the same from my children, you know? But then I began to realize that, um, and I think that they're good things, right? Like they could be good things, like let's say music lessons or something. If, you're, if God has gifted your child with a talent, right? 
and he is then using that talent um, to bring glory to God, then I think it could be a beautiful thing, right? But when those lessons come before the lessons in life that will last for eternity, then it is actually a good thing becomes a bad thing, right? And I started to have to re, uh, realign my mentality, right? Because it was distorted in the beginning. And I realized if I'm not teaching these lessons for eternity to my children, and are rather focusing on these lessons that are just for a time, then I'm missing the point, right? So I had to reassess my goals for my children, you know, and remind myself, I must first focus on these lessons that will be for an eternal time, right? And put aside the lessons that are for just a temporal time. And if I can accomplish this in my children's hearts, then am I able to um, expose them to other things that they can develop in their lives, right? Other um, talents and things like that. But if their talent is not in loving the Lord and serving the Lord and sharing the Lord with others, I don't really care about the other stuff, you know? That's all going to rot away. It's just for a temporal time, right? I think this is something that we struggle with as Korean moms. But um, let's not forget our uh, the role that God gave to us as parents. Our parents were, I mean, our children were loaned to us, right? They're not our children. They're God's children, right? And how would God want us to raise his children, right? A lot of times we raise them the way we want to raise them. But let us try to um, reprogram our minds and um, ask ourselves, how would God want me to raise these children, right? It says uh, here, the king upon his throne has no higher work than has the mother. The mother is queen of her household. She has in her power the molding of her children's characters that they may be fitted for the higher immortal life. An angel could not ask for a higher mission, for in doing this work, she is doing service for God. Let her only realize the high character of her task, and it will inspire her with courage. Let her realize the worth of her work and put on the whole armor of God that she may resist the temptation to conform to the world's standard. Her work is for time and for eternity. Let us, by the grace of God, separate ourselves from the world's standards and seek to live by the standards of God. The next principle I want to share with you is binding our children's hearts to ours. We're told in Adventist home that the family tie is the closest, the most tender and sacred of any on earth. <clears throat> and as Korean American families, I think this is kind of a, um, a new concept because in the generation that we grew up in, I, I believe that in most families I can say that this was not the case, right? Our parents were busy trying to make a living and trying to support the family. And um, we kind of lived separate lives, right? Children from parents, um, siblings from one another, right? But it says that the family ties the closest, most tender secret of any on earth, right? So how can we accomplish this, right? Um, you know, I believe that we should do, do things together, right? Not separately, right? So, you know, if you can think practically in our lives, how can we do things together? You know, you could, um, well, you know, me as a stay-at-home mom with my children, we can clean together, cook together, play together, weed together, right? As they get a little older, you can work together and make decisions together. Um, spend, just spend time together, right? 
And um, this was a concept that Fred and I had to work really hard to do because it wasn't natural for us. We didn't really know how to play with our kids and to do things with our children. And so we came up with this thing um, called the fun jar where um, you know, we would have family fun time um, at the end of the day after all of our duties are done. And we um, would let the kids choose the activities and you know, like baking cookies or playing camping or whatever it is, you know, and let me tell you that this one little jar has bound our hearts together in no better way thus far, you know, and the children think that we are the best thing in the world and they just look forward to this time and not only did it bind our hearts together, it also helped with their obedience in the home because they they are encouraging one another, you know, hey, we need to hurry up and get this done, we need to get our errands done, we need to go and read and get these things done because we want to have our family time at the end of the day, you know? And it's just, it was just an amazing thing, you know? Another thing that um, helps to bind our hearts together is um, being interested in their interests, you know? Um, there was a time when Joshua would come to me with his uh, picture or whatever it is he wanted me to show me and sadly um, I was so busy with my life right with my things because again my mind was outside of the home right um, it wasn't inside the home and I would say oh yeah 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 okay that's that's good you know and then I would I was there but not really there you know and my children noticed this you know but, you know, especially little ones, right? They come to you and their hearts are so open, right? But when you push them away and that just breaks their heart, you know? So please don't do that. And as older children, I can't really say much from experience, you know, but I could imagine that it's the same as well, right? Another way that we can bind our hearts together is by uh, speaking kindly and affectionately to them, right? It says here, a word of approval will bring sunshine to the heart for hours. Many precious themes of life, light and gladness can the mother shed here and there among her precious little ones. How closely can she bind these dear ones to her heart that her presence will be to them the sunniest place in the world? But for frequently, the patience of the mother is taxed with these numerous little trials that seem scarcely worth attention. Mischievous hands and restless feet create a great amount of labor and perplexity for the mother. She has to hold fast the reins of self-control, or impatient words will slip from her tongue. She almost forgets herself time and again, but a silent prayer to her pitying Redeemer calms her nerves and she's enabled to hold the reins of self-control with quiet dignity. She speaks with calm voice, but it has cost her an effort to restrain harsh words and subdue angry feelings, which, if expressed, would have destroyed her influence, which it would have taken time to regain. The perception of children is quick, and they discern patient loving tones from the impatient, passionate command which dries up the moisture of love and affection in the hearts of children. Please, let's not dry up the moisture of their hearts. Our children long to please us. They long to be loved by us. And when we speak to them in impatience and in anger, it breaks their hearts. Children are very perceptive. They're very also very sensitive, right? Um, before I recognized this principle, um, my youngest, Noah, um, he's very expressive. So I can tell what he's feeling and thinking. And um, if he would misbehave, um, I used to, you know, scold him and say, you know, you don't do that. That's not good. And um, not in the right spirit, you know? And Noah immediately would put his arms like this and say, I'm not happy, you know? And, and you know, I just thought, oh, well, he needs to work on that then, you know? I mean, 
that's the wrong spirit. You need to sur- I would even pray with him and say, Lord, help him sur- to surrender his heart to you, you know? But I realized, you know, again, leading by example, I was not. The way I realized this is one day I was talking to Joshua, my oldest, and he was talking to me in a disrespectful way, and I said, you, again, scolding and saying, you don't talk to mommy like that. You know, that's not okay. And he stopped and he said, but mommy, look how you're talking. You know, you're not talking to me nicely, you know. And then I realized, oh, Lord, help me. I need to change, you know. I cannot talk to my kids like that, you know. And so now Noah, when I talk to him, even though... I may be um, frustrated inside, right? It says to hold back the reins of self-control, right? Hold it in. And I, um, you know, ask Jesus, please help me to be patient. And so he gives me that ability to um, um, reach out to him in love and to gently speak to him in soft, subduing words. And he uh, um, doesn't do this anymore, you know? And he's, he immediately comes and gives mommy a hug, right? And he says, I love you, and gives me kisses. And, and I'm just amazed at the transformation. And, um, but it was because of me, I was drying up the moisture of love in their hearts, right? Again, the children long to be loved. They long to please. They want um, the parents' approval, right? It says here, never lose control of your temper. You cannot afford to do this, for thus you would sow in the hearts of your children seed that sooner or later would produce the fruits of unrighteousness. When you have learned to control yourself, it will be easy for you to find your children to you with the silken cord of love. This is true religion. Okay, next principle is the principle... Oh, okay, it says here, sorry, last uh, ver- quote from uh, Child Guidance. It says, you must win their affection if you would impress religious truth upon their hearts. The next principle is the principle of the rule of love. It says in Adventist Tome, administer the rules of the home in wisdom and love, not with a rod of iron. Children will respond with willing obedience to the rule of love. Commend your children whenever you can. Make their lives as happy as possible. Keep the soil of the heart mellow by the manifestation of love and affection, thus preparing it for the seed of truth. Initially, Fred and I, we we started off this way. When our first um, son was born, um, we, I guess, recognized this principle, and we... um, would be patient with him, loving with him, um, in times of disobedience, and we would teach him to uh, bring his heart to Jesus, and we would pray with him. Um, but then, um, sooner or later, second child came along, and then the third child, and then it was like we forgot this, you know? It was like we were trying to manage the home, and the quickest way we can do it, right? It takes time to bring your children's heart to Jesus, right? And so because now we had three little ones, right, we felt like, okay, the most efficient way to do this would be to then rule with the rod of iron, you know, like kids, um, you know, if you disobey, you're going to get a spanking, you know, and sometimes, sadly, we would spank them not in the right spirit, right, and over time, we realized that the children's hearts were not um, uh, bound to us in love, you know. Um, they were obeying not out of love, they were obeying out of fear, right? And we realized that if we continue on this path, when they get older, they are going to rebel, right? They're not going to be want to be in the home, and they're not going to want to be with us, right? They're not going to respect us, and again, we learn that you must win their affection if you are to uh, impress religious truth upon their hearts, right? And so we realized we need to change this, right? So um, we, ha- we then had to relearn this principle, and um, the effects of it, let me tell you, is so um, uh, has created a big impact in our family. It says here, every home should be a place of love, 
a place where the angels of God abide, working with softening, subduing influence upon the hearts of parents and children. Let, let me pause and say that I understand the struggles of a parent, right? I myself am a parent. It's not easy, right? It's not easy to deal with little hearts that are naturally, uh, you know, we know what it's like to live in our old nature, right? Live in the bondage of sin, and our children are living in this world as well, and therefore they're living in that bondage of sin as well, and it's hard and frustrating at times to right, um, correct those, um, those things in their life. And we might be tempted to complain sometimes, you know, like, this is so hard, you know, like, parenting is a difficult thing, you know, and, and it is a difficult thing, right? But it says here in Child Guidance, do your work with contentment, never complaining of the hardship, care, and toil. If by patient, kindly, Christ-like efforts, you may present one soul perfect in Christ Jesus, your life will not have been in vain. You have in your hands the making of a character through the hope of God that may work in the Master's vineyard and win many souls to Jesus. Ever encourage your children to reach a high standard in all their habits and tendencies. Be patient with their imperfections as God is patient with you in your imperfections, bearing with you watching over you, that you may bring forth fruit unto His glory. How patient God is with us, right? How many times have we fallen and disobeyed, right? But God is a loving and patient God, and if we are to teach to our children the love of God, then we must first manifest to them the love of God through our lives as we parent them let us be patient with our children. Let us be merciful unto them, right? And remember how God deals with us so that we can deal accordingly with our children, right? Next principle that I want to share is the principle of cheerfulness. It says in child guidance, above all things else, let parents surround their children with an atmosphere of cheerfulness, courtesy, and love. A home where love dwells and where it is expressed in looks, in words, and in acts is a place where angels delight to manifest their presence. Parents, let the sunshine of love, cheerfulness, and happy contentment enter your own hearts and let its sweet cheering influence pervade your home. The atmosphere thus created will be to the children what air and sunshine are to the vegetable world, promoting health and vigor of mind and body. I love this analogy with garden and um, the soil of the children's hearts and um, in regards to um, um, how we raise them and the atmosphere that we provide for them. Right? The atmosphere that's created will be to the children what air and sunshine are to the vegetable world. What a beautiful concept, right? You know, when I read this, I was thinking, wow, in looks, in words, and in acts, right? We must express the love of God, right? How many times do we look at our children or talk to our children or act in, to them in a way that doesn't manifest this love, right? Every look, every word, right? Remember the earlier quote that we read, right? It could be the ruin or salvation of many, right? Um, how do you express your looks, your words, your acts in your home? Right? Let us ask ourselves that because I don't know about you, but I want to have a home where angels delight to dwell, right? That's such a beautiful thing. Okay. The next principle that I want to share is the principle of to make Jesus a household name, right? It says in the Adventist home, Christ is not a stranger in their homes. His name is the household name, revered and glorified. Such families can claim the promise, them that honor me, I will honor. Right? It says in Deuteronomy, 
And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou, walk, thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Right? We need to share the love of God with our children diligently all throughout the day. Right? Not just in the morning during morning worship, not just in the evening during evening worship, right? But we must talk about Jesus to them all day, right? Well, how can we do this? It's by making Jesus a reality in our life, right? And then making Jesus a reality in our children's lives, right? Bringing their little hearts to Jesus when they have trials in their life, right? and praising Jesus and the good things in our lives, right? All throughout the day, talking about Jesus, right? This is making Jesus a household name. Okay, the next principle is uh, go to God for strength and wisdom. Many a times during my parenting journey, I cried myself in discouragement and overwhelmed with a sensation of, this is too hard, Lord. I can't do this. There's too many things. When you read Adventist Home and Child Guidance, there's a list of things that we need to do, right? And I thought, Lord, how am I going to do this, right? Um, but God will help you. He'll be your guide, right? It says here, no work can equal that of the Christian mother. Sorry, I have a lot of quotes about mothers, but it's because I'm a mother, right? But fathers, um, this can be included for you as well. She takes up her work with a sense of what it is to bring up her children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. How often will she feel her burdens weight heavier than she can bear? And then how precious the privilege of taking it all to her sympathizing Savior in prayer. She may lay her burden at his feet and find in his presence a strength that will sustain her and give her cheerfulness, hope, courage, and wisdom in the most trying hours. How sweet to the care-worn mother is the consciousness of such a friend in all her difficulties. If mothers would go to Christ more frequently and trust him more fully, their burdens would be easier and they would find rest to their souls. A practical way um, that, you know, I just want to share what I did, you know, because it, it is an overwhelming thing when you see all the things you need to work on, right? But I just would read Adventist Home and Child Guidance, and I started making a list of things that I was not doing right. And it was very long. <laughs> and then I picked one, and I said, I need to just focus on one at a time, because it's too overwhelming to look at it, the whole thing. So I would just pick one and I would say, I'm going to work on this for this week, you know? And as I was, remember I told you I had written notes down for my talk, this camp meeting, um, and then it got erased because I, I realized God didn't want me to talk about those things. So then I started looking through my notes. I mean, I was searching through my, all my notes to see, did it get misplaced and you know did it get moved down somehow but anyhow I couldn't find it but as I was going through it I came across this list that I had made you know and as I was reading this list I said praise the Lord God you're so good because this is a list I had made about two years ago and as I read this list I realized I'm doing this now and I'm doing this now and I'm doing this now and the list is short now. You know what I mean? Like, God can quicken the time in your life. If you feel like you've lost a lot of time, that you've wasted a lot of time, you've done things wrong for so long, how is God going to redeem me from this? It's going to take a long time, right, for me to um, correct these things. But God is so merciful, and He can quicken that time if we just have willing hearts to follow, right? You'll hear a voice, uh, your ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Let's not shut off that voice though, okay? As we hear that word behind us, let us walk in that path, right? And obey 
and God will bless. The next principle here is cultivate the soil of the heart. Again, I said I love the garden analogy, right? And you know, when you go to plant a seed, um, your soil is hard at first, right? So you need to soften this hard soil first before you plant anything, right? Um, and our children's hearts, again, we're all born into a sinful world and we all have hardened hearts, right? So with our children, we must soften their hardened hearts, right? And how can we soften their hard hearts, the soil, hard soil in their hearts is by the things that we have already talked about, right? By speaking in love and affection towards them and, and loving them and spending time with them, right? These are ways that we can soften their hearts and be prepared to plant the seed of truth in their hearts, right? Well, then we need to add the nutrients that they need into the soil. And what are the nutrients that we can add to the soil? Are um, sharing the love of Jesus in their life, right? Talking about Jesus, making his name a household name, right? Uh, praying to, uh, uh, bringing their hearts to Jesus in prayer and, and things like that. These are all providing nutrients for the uh, soil, right? Then we go to plant the seed of truth, right, in their hearts. Now, can we just plant the seed of truth and say, we prepared the soil and we planted the seed, now we're good, we're done. Can we just walk away from our, uh, our roles now, right? We think we did a good job now. No, we can't, because what happens when the plant starts to grow, so do weeds, right? When weeds begin to grow, and what do we need to do? We need to pluck out those weeds, right? And what are those weeds? Um, those are the weeds of sin, right? And we must be on alert and um, keep watch for those seeds um, before it chokes up the seed of truth, right? And then we water it, right, with the water of life and with the sunshine of um, the light of God, right? And in this kind of environment, a plant or the children's hearts can grow into being a healthy and strong uh, plant for, for God, and um, then can you enjoy the fruits of your labor, right? It says here, uh, in the earliest years of the child's life, the soil of the heart should be carefully prepared for the showers of God's grace. Then the seeds of truth are to be carefully sown and diligently tended, and God, who rewards every effort made in his name, will put life into the seed sown. And there will appear first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn of the ear. Right? How wonderful, right, to be able to experience that? Well, who should this work be done by? Right? Who's the gardener, right, in our children's lives? The Lord has entrusted to parents a solemn, sacred work. They are to cultivate carefully the soil of the heart, lest they may be laborers together with God. He expects them to guard and tend carefully the garden of their children's hearts. They are to sow the good seed, weeding out every unsightly seed, weed, every defect in character, every fault in disposition needs to be cut away. For if allowed to remain, these will mar the beauty of the character. Every defect, every fault, right? But again, going back to the principle of leading by example, we must first make sure that not one uh, sin remains in our hearts, right? We learned yesterday, right? And when we do that, then can we be the example in showing our children how to live that kind of life as well, right? Every defect, every fault needs to be cut away. This is a difficult thing, right? Especially when we look at it as in a works-based faith, right? In a way where I must do this. I must cut this away. This is bad. This is not good. Then you start to correct behavioral outcomes, right? Their behavior and not the heart, right? We must teach them, we must first have a hatred for sin in a way that our children begin to understand the hatred of sin and then desire in their own hearts that I don't want the sin in my life, right? Then can we love and protect our children from this, the, um, the sin in their life because then now their hearts are willing to submit as well, right? <coughs> You all know the par parable of the wheat and the tares, right, found in Matthew 13, where a field is sowed of, um, with, with, um, with seeds of wheat, right? 
And during the night, somebody comes and um, plants seeds of tares. Tares, right? Weeds. <clears throat> well, um, time passes, and then um, pretty soon they start to spring up, and the blade springs up, and they. Um, then the servant came and was observing the field, and he said, um, you know, to the owner, didn't you sow good seed in this field? But um, where did these tares or these weeds come from then? You know, And the owner answered and said, um, an enemy had done this, right? An enemy did this, right? A lot of times we waste our time uh, being at odds with one another, right? Husband between wife, uh, parents between children, and we're fighting against each other, right? But really, we are not the enemy. The devil is, right? The devil is planting weeds in our families to create strife in our homes, um, to take off our focus and in, in who the true enemy is, right? But when we begin to see these sins in our marriages, in our children, in our families, when we have this hatred for sin, um, we begin to realize we hate the devil. We don't want the devil in our home, right? And then we can then band together as a family, come together as a family to then um, pray to Jesus for the strength and power to be able to defend ourselves from the enemy, right? We need to always be on alert because um, you realize that it was when they were sleeping that the enemy came and did this, right? And sometimes we might be sleeping in our lives, right? In our spiritual lives. We must always be on alert because the devil is just waiting for an opportunity to come when you are not um, aware and plant these seeds of, we of weeds of sin in our children's hearts, right? If we are not always on alert and always conscious of their thoughts, their actions, and realize that these seeds are being planted, it might not be until for a time that we recognize that these seeds were planted, right? Um, when they become more evident. Let's not wait until then, because as we know, it's difficult, more difficult to pull out weeds that have been there for quite some time, right? The devil is, is on, a, on a mission, right? He's prowling around like a roaring lion, ready to devour, right? And he is going to attack our children, right? And so we must protect them from that. Well, all of this might have left us discouraged. It's too hard, right? It's too much to think about, right? But don't worry, because God has promised us this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, don't give up. Remain faithful to Him. Keep focused on the task before you, and the Lord will bless. I'm going to end with this quote. It's such a powerful quote. Again, it's for mothers, but fathers, you can um, put your, your role into this as well, okay? It's found in uh, my life today, and it says, Great responsibilities rest upon you, mothers. By your fervent prayers of faith, you can move the arm that moves the world. The prayers of Christian mothers are not disregarded by the Father of all. He will not turn away your petitions and leave you and yours to the buffetings of Satan in the great day of final conflict. It is for you to work with simplicity and faithfulness, and God will establish the work of your hands. The life work performed on earth is acknowledged in the heavenly courts as a work well done. With joy unutterable, parents see the crown, the robe, the harp given to their children. The seeds sown with tears and prayers may have seemed to be sown in vain, but their harvest is reaped with joy at last. Their children have been redeemed. 
when the well done of the great judge is pronounced and the crown of immortal glory is placed upon the brow of the victor, many will raise their crowns in sight of the assembled universe and pointing to their mothers say, she made me all I am through the grace of God. Her instruction, her prayers have been blessed to my eternal salvation. Parents, this is what we can experience on that glorious day when Jesus comes, that our children have been redeemed and that it was not in vain. Our prayers, our tears, our hard work, the Lord will bless and it will be because of you, parents. Let us not lose sight of this. Let's go ahead and bow our heads for prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for bringing these precious, precious souls into our lives, to father and to mother on, in, on your stead. Lord, it is a great responsibility that you placed into our hands, and we cannot accomplish this work without you. Lord, give us the wisdom and guidance to know how to lead these precious souls to you. Lord, help our faith to remain strong, that we not waver in the times that we are in, that we may not get distracted in the world that we live in, but we can keep our eyes focused on eternal things, that our children then can enjoy the things of eternity with you. Lord, we thank you for this time you've given us, and we know that you're convicting our hearts now, Lord. In whatever way that you're convicting us, help us not to lose sight of that as we leave and go home. Lord, the devil's going to try very hard to discourage us and distract us, but help us not to lose sight of this glorious opportunity that you've given to us. Lord, we thank you so much for your mercy and your presence in our lives and in our homes. And we know that you will bless us abundantly. Yes, I pray in your name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.